Welcome to the Business Information Buffet Podcast, also known as the Bib Podcast, where everybody eats, powered by the College of Southern Nevada. Each week, we'll be featuring business owners and entrepreneurs that will provide their personal recipes for business, powerful conversations, and knowledge of the business world. We amplify the stories of various backgrounds, cultures, and expertise. Our self-identity is as diverse as our social community. We cultivate a community of like-minded individuals that share their different perspectives, broadening our worldview. Are you ready? This is the Bib Podcast, where everybody eats. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? Welcome everyone to the Bib Podcast, also known as the Business Information Buffet Podcast, where everybody eats. We sit down with entrepreneurs and business owners to extract some insights and learn from them, and uh, hopefully that can help you grow your business. Uh, today we have Stuart Gilly Ross from Raw Power Management. Uh, he spent a lot of time in a band, and uh, he, he has a story there where he uh, took his band from nothing to... Uh, somewhere pretty special, and eventually transitioned into management. Uh, thank you, Stuart, for joining us. Thanks for having me. So uh, let's start uh, at the beginning from building this band. Uh, what were some of the key uh, the key insights that you gained um, when you're just doing the groundwork, you're doing the, some of the grunt work that takes uh, a, lot of, a lot of effort um, and it's, it's not always glamorous, but it's, it's required to make a career happen. Sure. Yeah. It's definitely not always glamorous. I guess the, the furthest, the hardest thing that you have to do first in the band really is, is putting the band together. Right. And that's, that's choosing, um, the team that you want to put together to work with. And, you know, whether that's a band or any kind of business to choosing the right people that all share a a common goal and a shared vision of what you want to achieve, whether it's a band or any other business is, is what's really important. So we were lucky that we started in a band, um, North of London, uh, started in a town, sorry, North of London that had in the previous years before we started our band had a lot of, um, a lot of bands come through quite a rich history in the music scene. So locally, you know, we had a lot of, um, great musicians to choose from to put a band together. So, so that was the first thing is finding the right guys to do it with. And so musicians, there's, there's the obvious, uh, things. If you go watch some guitar player playing a band, you can tell whether he knows what he's doing or not. But then yeah. there are some of these other things, these non-tangible, these like uh, these unspoken things like, uh, are they confident? Are they good with people? Yeah. Are they, are they going to be around? Are they going to show up to band practice when you've booked <laughs> it? You know, even things, are they going to help? <laughs> are they going to help load the gear in out of the van or, or do they disappear every time it's, it's time to do some heavy lifting? You know, all that, all that definitely plays into it because, you know, as you rightly say, it's not always glamorous at the beginning. And so there was a lot of, a lot of hours and a lot of miles in, in a, a van that was about a breakdown going to tour all over the country, you know, just doing everything we could to get our, our name and our music out there. And that means, you know, you're not getting hotels at the beginning, you're just sleeping on people's floors. You're, you're, you're right. getting a couch, uh, you know, if, staying at the promoter's house after is that kind of vibe. So um, it's a lot of work. And that's why I always say that like any business, if you're going to make a success of it at the beginning, you've got to really want it because it's not going to come easy and nothing that's worth achieving should come easy in my opinion. You know? Right. And so that you have to want it. You have to have ambition. You have to have goals. I assume yep. that, that, some of these, uh, it, it's all, it, it's music industry, which just is, if you can apply the business principles to the music industry, you can make something happen. 
Well, yeah, I, I guess we, w- we never approached it from the beginning like we had these lofty aspirations, okay, to be part of the music industry or anything like that. We were a hardcore band, a punk band. We just wanted to, we thought we'd, we'd make a demo, maybe possibly put out an album and get to open up for some of our, our favourite international bands when they came to England. So we weren't going into it with like a world domination kind of viewpoint. We just wanted to create the best art that we could you know, the best product that we could. We wanted to make the record that we always wished someone else would have made. Right? That's where right, we were coming right. from at it. And everything else that kind of came from it was almost like a happy accident. So by doing something is how you really learn about it. And you make mistakes along the way. But I'm now at a position now, 20 years later in my career, where I'm very confident in my knowledge of the music industry and everything like that. But only because I just did it from the from the bottom level and I've kind of... I've had to do everything basically myself. So right, and uh, this is when you when you're in the business startup phase as a band or as a musician, you're basically doing everything, like you said. And one of those things is uh, management, which a lot of singers and creative types that are very I want to just write songs and make music. That's that 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 drive this industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need that business acumen they need someone that knows what they're talking about in the business sense um so i guess really the question is when did you start noticing the the business principles um that that managers implemented and as as a as an artist when you were in the band yeah building your band um, well, because we started off DIY, okay, with doing it yourself, which means we'd be booking our own shows and having to drive there and collecting the money off to promote ourselves. You know, you learn very quickly that money in the gas tank, what that costs, you know, like, so your overheads, you, you get a real quick sense of, okay, well, we'd make some more money if we sold some t-shirt at our shows. What are we going to sell them at if they cost five bucks each to make? You know, that kind of thing. So, Having done done so much of it ourselves, I guess we had, those are the basics, right? Basically, are you, a very rudimentary budget is how much are we going to get paid to do this show? What's it going to cost us to do the show, mm-hmm. right? Simple, you just, and whatever's left over is your profit. Nine times out of 10, those early days will actually be a loss that you'll make. Right. So I guess the more kind of, if you want to call it advanced kind of stuff, side of it really came into play for me when, I helped a, a friend's band sent me his demo, his band's demo. He was like, look, will you take us on tour with your band? So I listened to the demo, check it out. And it was actually really good. And I was listening to it. I was like, you know what? I might, I might know a couple of labels that might put this out actually. Like, let me just, I'll email this guy. I know this record label, see what, see if he's into it. And sure enough, they were into it. Right. So he's like, okay, well, Hey, Stu, here's a contract we're going to offer and send it to your guy. So I, I'm then find, find myself in this kind of, I'm the de facto manager now because I'm going through this contract looking out for things that I know you should probably keep an eye out for, right? I know what certain things mean and kind of fell into management that way. That's really where it snowballed from. I got one friend's band, a record deal, negotiated his contract. Then he needed a tour to go and promote that album. So I'm like, well, I'll get you a booking agent. I know these guys. And like five years later, I had a 20 band roster and now they're winning Grammys and I'm in Vegas talking to you. Right, yeah. Um, so when, when you launch a song, when you launch an album, what's the marketing campaign look like? You say, I I remember, uh, from earlier today we were talking or, uh, and, and you were saying that 
you're planning 12 months ahead. Your strategy as a management team, you're already 12 months ahead. The artist is thinking about today and what they're going to eat for lunch or whatever. (laughs) But what does that look like? Well, to put it uh, bluntly, everything that you're doing needs to have a purpose behind it, right? So if if you're going on tour, why are you going on tour? What are you selling? Are you promoting a record? When's the record coming out? Right? And available, you've got to bear in mind that you're one band, okay, out in the whole world, or one band in the country at any one time. There are a limited number of venues and clubs in the country, right? They're not always going to be available on the night you're going to be in that town wanting to play there. So you have to plan so far ahead in advance, first of all, so that you know things are available for you to be there when you want to be there. And marketing and everything like that takes so much time. So we'll sit down with an artist about when he's going in to, to record an album. And so it's okay, well, it's going to take us six weeks to record the record so that then you know when the record's getting delivered. Then you know you, you ideally want to have a pre-order campaign for that record. So you put a few singles out before the album drops of maybe three months, right? Lead-in time. Okay. So you're building a calendar back. And so three months from that point, your album's coming out. Well, you've got to have a tour book then to go on it. Do you see what I'm saying? So already we're talking six months down the line and all we've, all we've done is recorded an album and booked a tour. And so the, the live shows, those are, that, that's the marketing. You're being in front of people. Oh, it's part of it. Yeah, it's, it's part of it. So that, but the other part that isn't the live show that the artist isn't necessarily that involved in, um, what are those aspects like? Whether it's uh, working with a publish, pub, publish, publicist, uh, publicist, publicist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, okay. So first of all, know your audience. Okay, so who who are your customers? What's your audience? Where are they? And how are you going to reach them? Okay, are they? What magazines do they read? What what radio stations are they listening to? You know, what does Spotify data analytics tell you about where they live? Where are your most popular? All this stuff. And basically that's going to give you a good idea on where to put your ad- ads, right? Where you're going to book your tour dates. If right. you if you looked at your Spotify data analytics, right, and they told you that Paris for some reason is where your artist is streaming really heavily right now, you're not going to book a European tour that avoids Paris, right? You you might add shows in Paris if it's like going off for you in Paris for some reason, you know. So you take all that kind of stuff into effect, but that's really it. You look at your demographics and just understand who your audience are and where they're at. Right. Right. And so the other part, uh, I was listening to an interview with Ed Sheeran a while back. And one of the things he would have is he'd have the labels, give him like a sheet, you know, with all the data, here's the cities. And he would be very involved in making sure that he was reaching those. He'd go do radio or whatever that was. Uh, do you notice a certain, I, I'm sure, I mean, every artist is different. Um, do you notice little things like that in, in some of the uh, artists that, that go further or um, are, are better able to build their audiences or, or reach their audiences? I'm not, I'm not are they, are they more collaborative with, with the label than, than more like the labels against me? They're like, the label is here to help me. How do I work with them? Yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's in everyone's interest to take a really collaborative approach with the entire team that you've got around you. It's a long and short of it. And, 
you know, funny enough, talking to Red Sheeran, we just did a released a single collaborating with him wow. a couple of weeks ago. We had one of our clients, a band called Bring Me the Horizon. Right. Uh, performed with Ed Sheeran at, at the Brits, which is sort of like our Grammys in a way, mm. the UK. And the, the performance went so well, they decided they're going to put out a, a studio version of it. Okay. And, and that's a, like what was traditionally in the past, a pretty aggressive metal band collaborating with one of the world's biggest pop stars. Right. Okay? And now, so th- as the band have evolved their sound over the years, they become more, more open to these kind of different collaborations. And I think people... Artists don't generally let their label dictate to them anything about the creative side of their work. You know, certainly an uncompromising, very art-focused band like Bring Me the Horizon is like that too. So labels, if you've got a good manager, you're never going to have an argument with your label, basically, because part of the manager's job is to shield the artist from any of that nonsense. And also a manager's job is to understand what the artist will say yes or no to before he's even taken it to the artist. So if a label asks me for, ask me, will my client do this? And I know the answers are no, it doesn't even reach my client. I just tell the label, sorry. Right. And in those meetings with some of these people from the, the record labels, uh, what, what have been some of those moments where there's been tension, whether it's because of negotiating or, just something happens and the room gets very, it's just heavy and you can feel the tension in the air and you're like, I mean, honestly, things that cause the tension the most are if a label tries to infringe on the creatives in a way that the artist doesn't believe with. And so a common one will be when you need to get a radio edit done for a track, which might mean losing maybe a slow, a song's got a slow brooding introduction, right? That the artist loves, but it just doesn't work on radio. You can't have any dead air. It's got to be moving, right? So they'll say, well, cut off the first, the intro, get rid of it. And that's our radio edit. That's a lot. That's often something that can be a a bone of contention. Right. Right. That makes sense. Um, So you transitioned into management and did you always have uh, this this interest in the business side of things and running the, that that part of uh, the music? I mean, the band? yeah, I, I mean, I suppose so. It wasn't like I was going through high school like, oh, I'm going to be an artist <laughs> manager one day. I don't think any child sure. has ever said that ever. Um, but actually, when we were going through it in the band, yeah, I think I got... Um, when I helped my friend's bands get that first record deal that I told you about, I realized that I got, I got a buzz out of that because mm. you were helping, not just because he was my friend, but you were helping someone's like dream come true to achieve a goal of theirs, which is to get a record deal. Yeah. And so that you got a record deal of your own with your, the band you worked with, mm-hmm. uh, what were some of those things that you learned as you were, as you were uh, about business that um, stuck with you in that process of getting a record deal? So I learned about, the currencies of performance and relationships and how they differ in value and why they're valuable. Mm. Okay. And then just the relationships you, you make with people and it could be in any industry, but specifically, you know, in the music industry, it's quite a small industry, right? right? There are a finite number of publicists, for example, right? There are only so many record labels if you're a rock band. So over time, you find yourself meeting and bumping into the same people over and over and over. And if you neglect those relationships, let's just say, or 
don't come off in the best way that you possibly can to these people. There's, I'd say, limited opportunities to, to fix that and repair those relationships. Okay. And on the flip side, if you make these strong, strong relationships that you maintain um, and you surround yourselves by people who will be a good sponsor for you, will champion you, will talk only good things about you when you're not in the room, that, that can open a lot of doors for you because, like I say, you have to, you'll be working with the same people all the time. Right, on the ups. On the ups and the downs. Right. Yeah. That makes so, yeah, sense. That, don't be a, I'm trying to think of a, a <laughs> PG-13 <laughs> word for this. Basically, just don't be an idiot because sure. when, you're on, when you're on the way up, because right. those same people that you're, you know, giving dirt to you on the way up, they'll be there laughing at you when you're coming down and you're going to need their help again. Right, and it's just all about making friends, like you were saying. Like well, be, no, no, you don't need to be friends. You just need to be smart and be mindful of the people that you're spending your time around and the time mm. you're spending your time on because time's a precious resource that we've got in any business. And you want to make sure that you're spending yours with, with those kind of good sponsors, those good champions, people that can open doors for you and you can learn from. You know. Right, right. Did, do you learn more from, do you think that the artists that you work with learn more from seeing other artists um, doing their craft well, or uh, is it more they, they watch foot? Do, what are some of the, the ways that the artists you work with um, get better? Honestly, it's just, it's like anything, it's, it's practice and repetition. You can tell when a band is a heavy touring band that, you know, has really cut their teeth on the live circuit and plays with time. You, they become so tight and a, and a finely oiled machine. And, you know, like everything in life, doing is the best way to learn something, right? Right. And if you want to know how to become a great live band and how to be like the best musicians you can be, it's just, you've just got to get in the van, get, get on tour, go. Regardless of whether you take a loss. Yeah. Which you will in the beginning. You will absolutely take a loss at the beginning. It's unavoidable. I mean, even you'd be surprised how many established bands will be going on loss-making tours this year alone. It's just it's oh, just wow. something that happens, and you have to find other revenue streams to fill in the shortfall. You know, merchandise selling shows obviously being a key one there. But, um, but yeah, um, makes sense. Yeah. So uh, you collaborated. Uh, you this raw power management group that you now work with you opened up the la office and what what does what does that what does that mean when you open the la office does that mean you establish <laughs> uh clientele in the la area yeah so basically and again i think this is true of any any kind of business if you're operating it internationally is at some point you've got to have boots on the ground in the territories that you're you're working in so for us what was the key factor behind opening an LA office because obviously we're traditionally a British company was that we were work, starting to work or wanting to work with more American acts okay and it's very hard to justify to an American artist well there's so many great artist managers already here in the States it's very hard to justify oh you should sign with us but we're based in London where you're you know I'm always going to be eight hours ahead of you like time difference because a lot of the time you need to be available 24 7 to your clients and that can't happen with an eight-hour right. time gap, right? So we opened an LA office, and yeah, sure enough, we do work with a lot more American acts now. What are what are, what does a day in the life look like? I know it probably <laughs> changes all the time. 
pretty boring, to be pretty honest boring. with you. It's, there's no hardly any glamour in the music industry. Uh, if you're in the band, um, your day is 95% waiting, 5% doing the show or doing some press, and and that's it. It's waiting and travelling, apart from that one hour you're on stage, really. Right. Um, for, for a manager, my day involves constant emails and phone calls pretty much um and now that we're coming out of the pandemic and things are opening back up again um evenings you know might, we might have a show if an artist is in town or something we've got to go and take a okay. meeting or something like that so it's a it's a lot of connecting with other people and making sure that uh bottlenecks are being yeah removed. absolutely Put, waking up putting out any fires that might have happened overnight but you know the key thing is that um with it being very much email and phone call based kind of business it means anyone would be able to do this job with very low overheads. Okay. If you've got a cell phone, like you've got everything you need basically right there in the palm of your hands. Um, and I know that some of us, the more established uh, managers kind of say sometimes with a right smile that anyone with an email address is a, is a manager these days, right? Yeah. Same way anyone with an Instagram account is an influencer now, apparently, you know? <laughs> so you, if you are out there thinking, you know, if you're an artist and you're thinking about a manager, be careful that make sure you're working with someone who's, who's credible because that's going to be the manager's credibility is their currency, really. And that's the key thing that's going to open doors for you as the artist if your manager is perceived as, as a credible person. Wow. Okay. Um, what, uh, what have you been working on lately? Well, I, I, actually, I'm not just trying to say this to be cool, mysterious guy, but I literally can't tell you. Okay. <laughs> The Can't tell you. <laughs> so it's all under NDA at the moment, I'm afraid. Wow. But, um, no, I'll see. But that's that thing that I can't mention is taking up a lot of my time at the moment, and it's it's very very exciting and very very big news when that when that drops. Apart from that, so I have a, a band called Boston Manor that I managed that um, just sold out their biggest UK tour okay. headline tour ever. So I was back in London a couple of weeks ago for that. Wow, congrats! I actually got home two two days before I came out to see you with Big Herc. Oh, excellent. He was here the other, the other week. Um, so Boston Man is going great, and they're getting into the studio as well. They're starting a U.S. headline tour um, early April, April 5th. So make sure you will come out to a show on that one. Yes. Coming out to Vegas. Um, yeah, we just had the Bring Me the Horizon and Ed Sheeran collab drop, which is exciting. So, um, yeah, lots going on, basically. Right, right. Is there anything uh, you want to leave the audience with? Anything that I didn't bring up? Um, um I'm sure there is. Basically, and this is like quite a corny thing to say, right? But as long as you find something that you're passionate about and that you love and you can turn into a business by monetizing it and surround yourself by good people, you'll never feel like you're, you're working for a living if you love doing it. You're never going to be... I think the goal for me was always... I never wanted to be that guy who'd wake up on a, on a Monday morning just dreading going to work. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just want to blow my brains out and I'll go to this job where I'm earning money for someone else and I, sure. I just hate my life. So just find that one thing that makes you happy or sparks that drive in you that you want to do it. It doesn't have to even have to be something cool or exciting. Just be what you love. Be honest with yourself and pursue that and you'll, you'll be happy. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Stuart, for coming out to Vegas and doing this podcast with us. Um, it was a pleasure having you on the Bid Podcast. Um, are we going to play them out with an intro, outro? All right, thanks for having me. Thanks, Stuart. DJ Icebreak.